Well, we're back at that time of year again. A special time of year only comes about once every 12 moons, and that is the time of year where I must renew my car registration. Always comes at the end of the year. Very convenient. That's pretty funny. (laughs) I did like the deep inhale you did at the beginning on mic. So now they just get you breathing through your nose like. It's very like, I feel like if I do that, then I should be talking in like a wood cabin or something along those lines. No, you need to be talking in like barely a whisper because you're obviously like watching someone while they're sleeping. (laughs) So uh, you can't make any noise because they will find you. Please don't. It's so upsetting. It it makes me think of um on my MySpace song. Yes. Um, which is really dating it nearly twenty years ago. My MySpace song was the song This Calling by the metalcore band All That Remains. Oh yeah. And it like you'd get like a couple of seconds before it would load and it starts off with it with him inhaling. He goes <gasps> and then uh, screams. Yeah. Or he goes <sighs> and then screams. And yeah. like, I just, I, I mean, I, I liked the song at the time, but I also enjoyed how much people got like scared like, or not scared, but like, ah, like jump scare from it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I have a troubled relationship with breathing in on mic because as soon as I notice it in a song, I'll never not notice it. And it just ruins the song for me. Yeah. Like if a vocalist doesn't do a taze on day and lean away from the mic to breathe, then it just, yeah. Like, good songs have been ruined by that for me. No, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, mouth sounds are a real, like, I want, I if I'm listening to a podcast, I only want to hear their voice. I don't want any other sound. Yeah. Whatsoever. Even and, though that's the exact opposite of what we do here at Punk Goes Pod. Oh, yeah, I don't include our podcast in that. No. No. Uh, so, all jokes aside, it is once again the end of the year, mm-hmm. and we have some uh, Christmas songs to talk about. We do. So, this week we are looking at the Home Alone theme. Yes. Originally composed by John Williams, as covered by August Burns Red for Punk Goes Christmas. I think this is this might be our only uh, instrumental. instrumental, but also like a song from a movie or 
television yeah, show? I think so. I don't think we ever do like Ghostbusters or any of the James Bond songs or anything like that. Honestly, so. at this point, thank Christ, I don't think I could handle that. I don't think I could do. Yeah, I don't think I could do theme songs. Like the at premise, this point. yeah, the premise of. The Punk Goes franchise and then the Punk Goes pod franchise by extension. Like, it's already corny enough, like, the basis of it. Yeah. As soon as you add, like, oh, and we're going to do TV jingles or, like, just too much. I think I thought of that at the beginning when it was, like, fresh and new. Like, all these different, like, I had, like, Punk Goes Bond. Yeah. Which was, like, all the Bond songs. Do that two years after we've finished. Yeah. This podcast so that we we have no reason to come back and visit it. Exactly. <laughs> like, I know that Newfound Glory did exactly that with From the Screen to Your Stereo. One, two, and three, I think. Yeah. And There's I think at least two of them. that in itself, like, because it's only that one step of corniness, like, I don't know. The fact that there's three comps of it, like, that's mm. probably a bit much, mm. but I don't know. It's cute... As is. Um, but had we done a whole podcast on that, I'd probably be about ready to off myself at that point. <laughs> I don't know. I do stand corrected because I believe that Power of Love was for Back to the Future. Yes, that's right. Because I did talk about Back to the Future quite a bit in that episode, not just because I love Back to the Future, but... You really are like the key demographic for pop punk and for this whole thing. <laughs> How does it feel to be, like, the exact specs of, like, the target audience? I don't think I can handle the pressure. Oh, really? To be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Can I tell you a story? You, it's never stopped you before. Well, maybe I'm trying something new and asking you this time. <laughs> I So I was working today and I um, am standing at the front of my of one of the jobs that I had to go do and so I'm like, I'm putting it in in my tablet and getting ready to go. And it's, it's near like a food court. Yeah. Um, not really a food court. It's like a cafe that has some tables out the front. And so. I think that's, that's close enough to. It's a court that has. Food in it. That has one stall that sells, um, <laughs> food, bakery foods. And I get, I get, uh, called over by this old woman. Oh no. This can only end well. Excuse me. Excuse me. And so, like, I'm looking and I'm, like, po- doing the pointing at me. <laughs> me? She's like, and she's like, excuse me. And she's like, calls me over. Um, this is a day where it's in, a, in the, what, the mid-twenties, no speck of rain. She is wearing a bright yellow poncho. <laughs> and I'm not talking, like, a cool, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly type of poncho, like a knitted poncho. This is a plastic. Oh, like a rain poncho. Like a rain oh, poncho. No. Bright yellow. No, not even threatening to rain today. She wasn't wearing it for like COVID reasons. She wasn't wearing a mask, so. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, and she's like scribbling something on an, on a receipt. Oh, good lord! And I approach, like I'm keeping my distance, but I approach, and she's like, "Do you know anyone who services refrigerators?" What? Do you know anyone that services refrigerators? And I just went, no, no, sorry. And then like immediately everything just dropped and she just like, she just had a look of, well, you are 
you are less than useless to me. Oh my god. So I just left. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know anyone who services refrigerators? I like the idea that this morning she went to get some milk out of her fridge for her coffee, realized the milk had spoiled because it had been sitting unrefrigerated overnight. Her first point of call was to put on a yellow poncho. Yep. And then head to the nearest food court and spot someone who looks like you. Take a seat and get a coffee as well. <laughs> well, she, yeah, because she couldn't have make her coffee in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, like, <laughs> something about just the mental thing of, like, well, shit, time to whip out my poncho and start asking questions. Like... Like, yellower than what you're wearing right now. I'm wearing, like, a sort of mustard yellow kind of chartreuse-coloured dress. Um, But 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 made of flimsy plastic. It very much looks like a a dress, not a plastic poncho. So, yeah, that was was the story from my day. Why do these things happen to me? I don't know. I think it's the same reason why I always get pulled over to ask for directions and then also pulled over at the airport to check for drugs. I don't know. Well, the first one I was going to say, you look very reliable. Oh, thank you. That's nice to hear. Um, but you also look like you might have a bag of, you know, rock. Up my hoo-ha. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but... Well, where else was I going to try to get... a bag, I guess. I just hope that they don't yeah, look for it. They would to make it through an airport. No, it wouldn't. I don't know. I'm, like, I must be that perfect combination of approachable but not confident about it. So, like, I can walk all over this person and waste her time and ask directions. And, yes, I will pull her over for random drug testing because I need to meet my quota and she's an easy number. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think they have a quota? Absolutely. And it's basically like, we know this person will not have drugs, but we can we can say we've checked. Yeah. Either that or, like, because I do not fly enough to be confident about it. Yeah. I always look shifty because I'm just like, oh, fuck, I hope I haven't missed my flight. That's in four hours. And I look shifty because I'm thinking, fuck, I have to get on a plane. Yeah, you're yeah. you're scanning for the next bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> to empty your pea-sized bladder. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, a different, that was a different type of pea. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Your pea pod. All right, let's get into the Home Alone theme. So, John Towner Williams Mm -hmm. was born in 1932 from New York City. He studied piano at the Juilliard School. His initial goal was to become a concert pianist, but after hearing contemporary pianists, he decided to switch his focus to composition. So he's like, I don't like this. I'm going to make scores. So, hang on. So he heard contemporary pianists and wanted to... Join them or be better than them? Didn't didn't like it, so went into a different field. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, I, I very much enjoyed this fact. His son, Joseph Williams, is the lead singer for the band Toto. That's genuinely fucking sick. That is really sick. I, That's uh, like music royalty right there. And I just learnt that as yeah. well. So, I don't... Is he the one with the, like, the really thick moustache in Rosanna? Or is he the one that, like... Because, like, they split, don't they? Like, I think the pe- the keyboardist also sings, has, like, maybe, like, a 60-40 share in singing, and then they have a singer. I don't I, know. Because liter- if he's the lead singer, he'd be the one that you you see singing the most. Singing the most. True. Literally, it was only a couple of weeks ago that friend of the, of the pod, Richard S., he was watching 
some Toto clips in our house. So, (laughs) (laughs) because they wanted to listen to some Toto. Which, who doesn't, honestly? But yeah, I was not paying enough attention at that point. Africa still rocks, though. Like As does Rosanna. I've, yeah. I've been sleeping on Rosanna for years. Yeah. And now I've heard it at least twice in the span of, like, two weeks. And I'm like, yes. Yep. Love this. And also there's that gag where, like, Weezer, they had a fan who kept, like, bombarding them online, being like, yo, you should cover Africa by Toto. And they're like, lol, okay. And then they covered Rosanna <laughs> instead. And then they eventually followed it up with Africa, but... <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. The ultimate bait and switch. So I think he's basically, like, the only... John Williams, this is. Yeah. He's uh, basically the only composer besides Danny Elfman. I think there's yeah. only two. Because it's like, I think feel like... And, and now I guess Trent Reznor is also getting in the composition game. Um, there's a few. There's, like, Carter Burwell and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um... I mean, yeah. I'm making a joke. There. I know, <laughs> but you're also right. Like... If it wasn't Danny Elfman, it was John Williams or vice versa. So, just to name a few, he has composed the score for many films, including the Star Wars saga, Jaws, Superman, E.T., the Indiana Jones films, the Jurassic Park films, the first three Harry Potter films. Boo! And the song The Mission, which was used by NBC News and also used over here for our seven news. Boo! (laughs) At least... Is Seven News Murdoch owned? Because it probably, probably is. And is. if that's the case, then boo. Yeah, fucking every, just about everything, so boo. So I have written a couple of facts about the movie Home Alone. Sure. Home Alone was directed by Chris Columbus, who directed movies like Adventures in Babysitting. Who discovered America. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, probably this guy's probably better than the actual, than yeah, the probably. previous Christopher Columbus. A lot less colonization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... He directed Adventures in Babysitting, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> just to name a few. Just to name a boo. Boo wounds. And the movie was written by John Hughes, who wrote Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Sick. Just to name a few. So the movie stars Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. I was waiting to see if you would boo that. No, I like Macaulay Culkin. Catherine O'Hara, Joe Pesci, and Daniel Stern. Cool. The plot to the French horror film 3615 Code Pere Noel Noel bears many similarities to the plot of Home Alone. In 3615, a young boy living with his grandfather must defend his house from a home invader dressed as Santa. The director threatened to sue over plagiarism. I was wondering why the fuck you brought this up. (laughs) Like, I got that it drew similarities, but I was like, is this just one of your horror film facts? Look, if we ever do, if we ever do whatever that Lord song was from The Hunger Games, I won't be like, oh, and it bears a lot of similarities to Battle Royale. But because of right. the because of the fact that this person was like, no, you ripped off my movie. Except for it's a French horror film, so it's probably ghastly. Yeah, it's probably really fucked up. Um, so the film grossed four hundred seventy six million dollars worldwide. Okay, and uh, I wanted to ask, do you have any memories or like, did you watch Home Alone as a child? I am almost certain I did. Like, I think at the very least. It was probably on television just about every Christmas when I was a kid, and mm. so I can probably knit it together from bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, not. I don't have any particular emotional um, connection to Home Alone. 
Fair except enough. that is an ideal state of being. <laughs> and I'm not well, being like, I hate my partner. Just like, it's nice to be home alone. The, the idea of being home alone with no home invaders. Well, yeah, yeah. that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah. Minus the home invasion bit. Yeah. What about you? I um, love home alone. Yeah. Um, I just last Christmas watched the first and second home alones while you, while I was home alone Aww. and you were and you were uh, visiting your parents. So why do you love it so much? I mean, I think it's it's just got that sort of like whimsy to it and like I remember I remember watching it as a child and like I'm not saying that I like we didn't grow up poor, we grew up we grew up middle class. Yeah. Probably towards the lower end of middle class, but we grew up yeah. comfortable and whatnot. But like the house is amazing. Yeah, that he it's lives pretty in. baller. And I I love the street that he lived on. I wanted to live on that street. Yeah. In that house. I I don't know, I, I I do like unpack it a bit when I as an adult, like, oh yeah, this movie is deeply disturbed. Like it's yeah. a really fucked up idea that the parents will forget him twice. And then just sort of be like, Oh, whoops. Oh well, we'll see him in however long. Oh no, no, no. They don't like the mum played by Catherine O'Hara, like flees France to go oh, back to, okay. to see to be with him. How do they make it all the way to France? The so Like at they, that point I'm sure you could be on a plane and be like, We need to land right now. They leave the head check to one of the teenagers. Oh, and so like and so basically it's one of the neighbor kids comes up to the house and he's like, Oh, you're leaving? You're going to where are you going? You're going to France? And so like He's like going through their bags in the van, like being a really annoying, just right, like fucking annoying nosy kid. And so, like the te- the oldest teenager counts him, and he leaves. Uh... Kevin's sleeping in the attic because he had a fight with his mum. Said, "I wished, I wish I will wake up and you're not here." Oh my god! Literally, it happens. So they make it all the way to France. Oh no. They find out, they figure out on the plane, but of course they can't turn the plane around. So they land in France. She gets on the earliest flight that she can. And the funniest thing is, so she gets on a flight that lands in somewhere like Milwaukee. They live in Chicago. Right. And so she has to get into a van with John Candy and his polka band. Right. And literally, so like one of the last scenes is she, she comes home and they had this like, they had this lovely moment where... He's happy that she's back and right. he misses, missed his mom and she missed him and, and they they hug. And then the rest of the family come in as well. So, like, she's like, I'm going to leave now. Uh. I'm going to wait in the airport and the next flight into America, I'm going to take it. And it's like, or she could have waited with the rest of the family and they all would have arrived, like, a minute later. Fuck. It's literally, It's literally like they're hugging and the rest of them come in. It's just the dumbest premise for a film. I'm sorry. Like, how do you get on a plane and leave? You have to check, like... Yeah. I know that airport security was lax before 9-11, but, like, <laughs> what the fuck? And who are you travelling with today? My husband and my three kids yeah. or whatever. I, I I couldn't imagine... And, like, that's international travel, so you need passports. That's so, like, fucking stupid. So you're, you're trusting that your child is going to handle their own boarding pass and that's- everything. It's... It is ludicrous. It, yeah. but it, but it's 
the plot device to a magical film. And then how does it happen again? <laughs> so, oh, I can't remember how he gets to New York. He gets to New York somehow and he gets a hotel room. Right. And, and where are the others? Donald Trump leads him away. Because uh, Donald Trump has a cameo in it. <laughs> and Tim Curry's the concierge. Why is he in New York? Where are the rest of them? I can't re- I, I, Because the second one is one I've not seen as much. Right. Okay. So it's not like... Yep. Like, I'm remembering the, like, second half of the movie more than the first Fair. half. So I can't quite... And I'm, like, give me a pass to not look up the plot to the movie. No, no. <laughs> I think this is also part of it is, like, even as a kid, I'm sure I would have watched this and been like, this is the dumbest premise ever. And I'm not saying that, like, so only idiots like it, but I just cannot get past how stupid the premise is. It is is stupid. I I am fully aware of that. But also, like, he booby traps his house from home invaders. And, like, like, basically, there's so many things that would have killed those two men. Yeah. That he does to them. And what, like, what do they plan on doing to him when they catch him? That's the sinister bit to me. Well, they don't think, they don't know that he's there. So the opening scene is Joe Pesci, dressed as a police officer, cases the house. Right. And he's like, so so he's like, so there's been some robberies. Are you gonna be home uh over the Christmas period? Make sure to leave your lights on, that sort of gotcha. thing. But like he's really making sure that they're not gonna be there. So he, right. they don't know that Kevin's in the house. Surely after the first prank you'd be like, I think there's someone in here. So so, yeah. they go to break in. Kevin pretends that... So, he's watching a gangster oh, he, film. Yeah, he does the recording. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh, shit. And so, like, they leave. They're robbing another house in the neighbourhood. And that they see only Kevin going in and out of the house. They're like, oh, I think it's actually just the boy. Right. So, they still have the plan to go in and burgle the place. And they're like, well, it's a boy. So, like, he's oh, not going to... sake. And so, so that's when he, he defends the house. And that's when, like, there is that really, really sinister moment where they catch him. That's right. And they put him up on a hook and, like, Joe Pesci's, like, and, like, Joe Pesci has, like, all these, like, these, like, he's like, and, like, you know that, like, he really wants to say fuck and shit in those moments. Right. And, like, he has Kevin and he's like, I'm going to bite your fingers off one by one. What the fuck? And that's when they get hit on the head with the shovel by the old man. It's just... I told you I loved this movie. It's... I, I'm glad that you enjoy it. Thank you. That's all I can say because I just... It makes... Just the whole idea of it just makes me so mad. It's just so, so, so silly. I don't know. It's one of those ones that like I feel like should be talked about more in, like, the conversation of Christmas films. I don't know. I feel like it gets talked about enough, surely. Oh, does it? Right, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's, like, one of the Christmas Well, they're films. not talking about it enough, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Sure. More. More talking about it. It should be a national treasure. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what's, uh, before we jump into the song, what's a what's a family Christmas movie? And we've probably had this conversation, but I'm going to ask it again. We have. We don't really do Christmas films. When I was a teenager, it was Love Actually. And I do still kind of love that film, even though it's fucking stupid. Um, 
But for me, like, my favourite Christmas film would have to be Sleepless in Seattle, and it's not even a Christmas film. It, it has a real Christmas feel to it, though. It does. It really does. Yeah. I think it's just because it's that really cute film. It always, like, just never fails to make me laugh, like, make me smile, and... It's set in, like, New Year, like, Christmas New Year. Yeah, I mean, because it's that period, and it's in Seattle, which I know two things about, well, I know three things about Seattle. Frasier's set there. Sure. The Space Needle, and that it always rains, and yeah. so it's close to Canada, so I'm assuming it's also cold. Yeah. So it has that real wintry feel to it as yeah. well. Yeah. So that would be, like, the closest idea to, like, a family Christmas film. Yeah. Whereas I know your family's big on, like, the, um... National Lampoon's yes. Christmas Vacation. Yeah. We do love that movie. Yeah. Uh, so the song didn't uh, stir any emotions in you to watch Home Alone? No. This is like my least favourite part of Christmas is just the pandering music. Yeah. Like, But anything that has a children's choir can just fuck right yeah. off. I fucking yeah. hate it. <laughs> I don't find children endearing when they're singing as a group all like, oh, yeah. like... I hate it. So, like, the the version that we listen to has, like, I think it's basically every time that it's played throughout the movie. So, it has, like, right. it's mostly just instrumental stuff, like a, a chorus. Yeah. But then there is a moment where he's in the church with the old man and the old man's watching his granddaughter practice in the choir. So, that's where the right. children's choir comes in. No but excuse. I, but I fully agree. I think the only time, and this is real cheesy. I think the only time that, like, the choir and, like, I can't remember if they were a children's choir, but in Romeo Plus yeah. Juliet, when they're doing When Doves Cry, yeah, is pretty dope. It is very good. Um, and everybody's free. Mm. Yeah. I want to watch that again. I love that movie. This, we were supposed to do that for Valentine's Day. Was it last year? And, and COVID struck? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, so, this does have... That feel of like, oh yeah, this does sound like, like you you can you can hear that it's John Williams. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it feels like something that would play throughout the halls and in like Hogwarts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like it's those, it's one of those more quieter songs. Like it's not like the sweeping orchestral opening to. Uh, Star Wars or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He has a, a good versatility to him. It's definitely an interesting choice to be covered as a Christmas song, if that makes sense. Because, like, I get that a score for a film can be a very key element of, like, what you remember about a film, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But, like... Oh, I guess in saying that, like, this sort of is that perfect crossover of, like, Christmas music versus film music. Yeah. But, again, it still just feels subtle enough that it could have been a real flop if they hadn't yeah. done it properly. I, I think this couldn't be done during any other holiday oh, fuck as well. No. Like, this couldn't be... Like, like the music that he that he created for the first three Harry Potter films can be sort of played whenever... Probably a bit better for Christmas as well, because even the Harry Potter films have a Christmas feel to me. Maybe it's because they kind of came out to the movie, came out in the movies around about Christmas, didn't they? Usually, uh, I cannot remember. No? Yeah, I always felt like there was a Harry Potter film coming out around about Christmas, or I could. Uh, Did you watch them? 
I thought you no. didn't. No, but like, it just felt like, like, I would know when they were coming out though. Yeah. I think I'm wrong though. I think they were more like, whenever, <laughs> whenever they were released, I guess. Like Lord of the Rings always came out on Boxing Day. Right. Every year. So that, that has like a bit of a Christmas feel to me because of yeah. that. So. Yeah, and I couldn't tell you. Subsequently, the Hobbit films. Um, it's it's interesting, like looking at a instrumental song as well, because yeah. I feel like there's not that much to really delve into. So, no. Should we just move on to August Burns Red? Let's go. Hey hey, ho ho, let's go. Mm-hmm. So, August Burns Red formed in 2003 from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. The band formed in high school. Well, their, funny that. Their original practice sessions took place in drummer Matt Grainer's old egg house <laughs> on his family's farm. What the hell is an egg house? Well, wouldn't that be where where the eggs... Eggs, where the eggs are kept. Where the chickens... Where the eggs lay the eggs. Where the chickens are, like, laid out and they... In their little hutches and <laughs> they... And they, they lay, they lay their eggs while they're laid out. Um, I guess, I guess I'm picturing like a chicken run sort of situation. Yeah. Except I think just because I, like my family only ever had chickens in like a small scale. So yeah. like we had maybe four or five at a time. So it was literally to like make yourself eggs. Yeah. yeah. And also just cause mum liked having chickens around cause they were cool. Chickens are cool. Though. They're fine. But then we got given like a batch of hens or like chickens that had been bred to be eaten so then like (laughs) over the course of like a couple of weeks what started as like really cute like baby chicks like they grew up to be these really disgusting like just horrifically large chooks and then they grew so fast that like their hearts gave out and they died because they weren't meant to live that long and so it was just like and of course i fed the chooks so then it had, like, it was just a couple of weeks of me being like, Dad, another one's died. Oh, uh, okay, I'll go get it. Kind of like, and then we never got chooks again. What do you think was a worse fate, uh, being bred to be eaten or having to suffer listening to the burgeoning uh, rehearsals of a Christian metalcore band? They probably have about the same effect yep. on your heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So although the band does not mind the moniker of being classified as a metalcore band, lead guitarist JB Brubaker shared his distaste for metalcore bands. He said, I feel like anyone who can pick up and play a guitar and learn to play a metalcore riff and any drummer who can learn to play a thrash beat over a breakdown is doing it. It's almost become very formulaic and metal to me was never a formulaic genre. Genre. Which, to be fair... He's not wrong. And that's what a lot of these songs have become. I 
Look, I'm the first person to like wholeheartedly agree with that, but also isn't all music formulaic to a degree? Because like you have to follow a formula of like to write a song that translates well, it'll ideally do this and then it will do this and then it will shift into this bit and then it will finish at this point. Except jazz, man. Yeah, but like... But even that probably has a formula to it. I don't know. I think I'm just being a shithead for the sake of it. I think he's basically saying, hey, it feels like anyone can pick up a guitar, write a chuggy riff, and a drummer can can play a breakdown, that's and that's true. what bands are doing at the moment. Yeah. is just, like, there's no nuance to metalcore. That's- which there is, but they're also... Uh, there's a lot of bands who just take the easy way out, which is just breakdown after breakdown. Yeah. I guess, like, I'm coming at it from, like, the lens of someone who doesn't know how to play anything, so already it's kind of like, well, you're doing pretty okay if you Mm. can pick up a guitar, play it well enough to write your own music, even if it is a bit formulaic. Yeah. Um, But no, in saying that, every time I crack the shits because we're doing another metalcore or easycore song, then... I support this statement. (laughs) So, speculation has run rife regarding the origins of the band's name. Mm -hmm. One story involved original guitarists, John... Original vocalists. Thank you. John Hershey's ex-girlfriend. The story goes that she burnt his dog named Red. What the fuck? However, the band have disproved this story and have simply said they liked the name. Who was the moron that came up with that? That's so crass. Probably the same moron that came up with the idea that we didn't land on the moon. Mm. And that, you know, well, maybe it's a bit different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, one of them's a a matter of, like, human history. I would put it in the same regards. Have you ever heard the the theory that in The Wizard of Oz, when there's a bit where they're all skipping down the yellow brick road Mm -hmm. and... There's like a there's like a shape and people are like, oh my god, one of the little people hung themselves and they've shown it in the film. Have you ever heard that theory? No. So it's the, well, that's the theory is that one of the little people playing one of the munchkins hung himself on set. And it's like literally the scene that like the shot that they're doing, they're literally skipping into where that person is in the foreground. So they would see that yeah. first and foremost. Secondly, it's been well disproven that it was a swan because they had animals on the set. So it was like a swan with like the long neck sticking up. Yeah. It's just one of those things, I I think. Kind of like the one where like, oh, when Simba and Nala are like rolling around in the grass or whatever in The Lion King and like bits of leaves float up and spell sex in the sky. I mean, they're close. It's SFX. Or it's just leaves. No, no, it does actually say SFX. Like, the person who okay. who animated it or whatever okay. put in SFX. Fair enough. Whatever. Um, I feel like that's one of those ones where you could trace just about anything that would be like, oh, and they spelled this as well. Yeah, I think that's one that's been proved, though. Yeah. Proven. So, this one reminds me of uh, bands like... Uh, they're called Behold the Octopus, which is like an instrumental kind of metalcore yeah. um, group who like the bassist has like 13 strings on his bass guitar <laughs> Jeez. and it's all just like, like, yeah, heavy bass and like fast drum, fast drumming and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it, but I feel like that chugging riffs 
overpower the the noodly riffs. Okay. In it. And and it sort of like pulls that back a bit and let me hear the actual like the See that's funny cuz like that's the one bit that I'm remembering the most out of their arrangement is yep. just the top line like da, na, 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 na. And so to me they've kind of they've evoked that so they've obviously done their job properly. I think. Yep. But again, I think that's because we're listening with two different sort of frames of reference for this. Mm. Like I it's very easy for me to tune out of listening to this kind of stuff because I don't have a background for it. Mm-hmm. And also I don't like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's interesting that you put forth that argument, I guess. Like, I think it's perfectly, it doesn't, like, I don't listen to this and go, fuck yeah, the Home Alone theme. Like, it doesn't do anything to really excite me, but I'm also happy that it exists. I think that's the thing is like, it is a bit of a risk in terms of covering this because I don't think any cover could make anyone mm. go, yeah, like, mm. it's such a benign original piece of music Yeah, that, like, as long as you do nail that top line or whatever you'd call it, like, that's all you really need to do. Yeah. I don't love that they bring in sleigh bells, but I guess you kind of have to. Yeah, it's a Christmas album. I feel like it's one of those things, like Monster Mash, you have to sing during Halloween. Like, you have to have some form of sleigh bells. Yeah. Although I have done a special intro for for the Christmas episodes this year, and I have not put sleigh bells in them. Oh, so. you've done another one. Yeah. Well, golly. <laughs> golly gosh. <laughs> I, it's, I guess it's just that thing of, let's do something different and... People will see August Burns Red covering Home Alone and go, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, it works as a basic premise, but the bar is relatively low. I kind of, I kind of wish that they would be super cheesy and like, I don't know, you know me, I'm a secular person, but they're a Christian metalcore band. I kind of wish they'd done like one of the really like strong Jesus-y Christmas songs, but like in a full metalcore style. I didn't realize they were actually Christian. Yeah. Huh. You did not note it that. Ah, because uh, because I don't know I I don't know where to like sort of say oh and they're Christians like that's the, like that's their entire personality. Right. I see. Uh, hang on. I'm just going to skim them on. That or it's the next week's band. I'm pretty sure it's... I'm pretty that would sure be very funny if you're just casting aspersions against... Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, Christian metal. Yeah. Christian metal. That was also something that was pretty popular um, in the late 2000s was Christian metal. You had them, you had like bands like Norma Jean, Under Oath. Yeah, because I knew Under Oath were Christian. But like they might have been more... I don't know if they were necessarily metal core or if they more sort of lean towards screamo um you had as i lay dying which Mm -hmm. the less said about them the better yeah true i remember i remember getting into the band demon hunter and then and then finding out they were christian being like to my mum like Oh, yeah, but they're Christian. And she's like, it's in the name, though. They're demon hunters. (laughs) See, I take that more to mean, like, supernatural, like the whatever brothers. Oh, yeah. 
the supernatural. The, su- the Supernatural Brothers. Yeah. The Brothers. Yeah. The Brothers Supernatural. Jim and Robert Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, the two brothers. I'm sure that's their name. That has to be their name. Absolutely. Um, yeah, apparently there is some sort of quibbling in terms of just how Christian they aim to be, blah, blah, blah. Apparently a couple of members say they're not a Christian band. Others say they are. It's just like, oh, who cares? Yeah, that's and that seems to be the thing as well. Like, Inevitably, there's going to be like that one or two members that are like, oh, we're not actually all that Christian. Yeah, like we're Christians who write metal. Yeah. Um, and then you have the other ones who are like maybe trying to keep in, in that very large demographic of Christians. Mm. Like, well, no, don't say that because... You know, we like money. Yeah, look, it's it's a good marketing ploy. Yeah. I'm just going to get off my soapbox now. We we are full of Christmas joy. I know. Aren't we? We were going to set up Christmas lights and we haven't. And we probably won't now. <laughs> let's oh, look, be honest. For New Year's Eve, I think we should. Okay, let's um, do that. Get solar-powered lights. It's just not the year. I just... I mentioned this in our last episode, I think, but it's just like it's not Christmassy this year. Nah, and it is just... It was like, it was like yesterday was July. Yeah. And today's, today's December 14th. I know. That's fucked. I, yeah, I hate it. We are hurtling towards our graves as we speak. Today Um, was the 20 year anniversary of, um, death lead vocalist and guitarist Chuck Schuldner. So I should have, uh, sequestered myself and just listened to some death today, but. So wait, did he die? Yeah, 20 years ago. So wait, the front man of death? Chuck Schuldner. Gotcha. So he died 20 years 20 ago. 20 years ago today. Okay, no, yeah. it's just you said the 20-year anniversary of name. Oh. It's been a long year. It has. Um, hell yeah or yeah nah? Look, I'm going to give it, and I'll give it both, a hell yeah, but to me it's more for the memory of of geeking out over Kevin McAllister yeah. Fighting off the, the the burglars in Home Alone, and also I got compared to Macaulay Culkin a lot as a child. So there you go. What about you? I'm going to give it a yes. Okay, that's respectable. Like I look, I'm not opposed to the franchise or this song or its cover existing, but I also just. I accept that it's there and then I continue with my life. You do. You do continue with your life. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would much rather... If I want to watch a Joe Pesci movie, I'm going to watch My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, but that's a good movie. It is a fucking good movie. That's a real good movie. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, yeah, I'm just a home breaking in person. No, because he's 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 a bad guy but he's also the good guy. Yeah. Well no, cuz he's not a, he's not a mobster and he's a he's a burgeoning lawyer, isn't he? Yeah, he's um with, yeah, he's like a really shit lawyer. With like maybe ties to the mob or something. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. But yeah. We should watch that movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. So, we don't do this very often, but we're going to close out this episode with uh some shitty fluted by shitty flute. So Honestly, this, what this deserves. <laughs> this has been the Home Alone theme. <laughs>